Welcome to the Insurgents Podcast with Frank Viola. And he's brought a friend. This is the podcast that supplements Frank's groundbreaking book, Insurgents, Reclaiming the Gospel of the Kingdom, which is shaking up the Christian world. You can find out details about the book at insurgents.org. Sit back, open all four ears, physical and spiritual, and join the insurgents. Here's Frank. Let's go to the next question. I've heard you make a distinction between Bible study and using the Bible to find and encounter Christ. So how does a kingdom community use the Bible in its gatherings exactly? <laughs> That's a pretty big question. <laughs> wow. I'm going to uh, defer to you, Nicholas. Oh, hey, this is out. your podcast, man. I'm just a low <laughs> guest who uh, you couldn't find the other five guys, so I'm here. <laughs> I'm the pinch hitter for the pinch hitter for the pinch hitter. Well, it's time for the pinch hitter to come to the plates. I finished off the last question. That means it's your turn. Oh, okay. I see. Well, that's another really good question and a very fair question. In the ecclesia, or as this uh, person who wrote this question used the term kingdom community, ideally, all things are available to God's people. So this is not an attempt to bash Bible study. It has its place, mm -hmm. obviously and especially among those who are taking on the responsibility for inputting to God's people on all the various levels that exist out there to input into uh, the people of God. Um, I, you know, I think it's incumbent on them to uh, be men and women who study the scripture and master the scripture and all of that. And so we put that in one spot and say it is a tool I think where maybe some of the problem lies with this is in many, many, many church environments, Bible study really is the only tool that's kind of put forward in terms of your interaction with the scripture. You have a Bible, you're supposed to read and study it, and that's kind of where it's left. And if you want to know God, read your Bible, and we're kind of just left with that. And so it kind of for many believers leads to a dead end. Uh, this has been addressed by a number of people in a lot of really good and creative ways on how to expand away from simply having a Bible that you study or kind of just perfunctorily read. So I just want to say that I am not bashing Bible study. I, I, I think it's one, I think it's an important tool and I think it, but I think it's just one of many tools in terms of how to use the scripture. And then this person in their question raises another aspect to using the scripture, which was, how, how do we use the Bible together as a community to find Christ? Again, this is one of those things that I think we could sit here for quite some time, and based on the common experience that Frank and I have in terms of Ecclesia, uh, we could spend quite a bit of time uh, explaining how we've used scripture within the context of kingdom community or the Ecclesia. And I think it's really important that believers know how to use the Scripture in multiple ways. So using the Bible to find Christ, I think, is an extremely worthy pursuit 
to practice and learn and get better at. And, and by the way, I think that's a really important point to underscore. This is something that you can actually get better at. Mm. Uh, the more that you try, the more that you practice, just like anything else, it's like getting up on a bike and riding it. And Frank, I'm trying right now to think of resources that you have touched on this topic before, and I'm sure you have multiples from your books to possibly even other podcasts or recordings and articles and things like that in terms of using the Bible to find Christ. Yeah, you and I did an episode not too long ago called How an Insurgent Approaches the Bible, right? or words to that effect. And I think we outlined at least five or five major ways that we as individuals can approach the Scripture. When it comes to ways that exceed or go beyond what we're typically taught, in terms of how the Bible can be used in a gathering— of a kingdom community, whether that's a kingdom cell or it's a it's a full-blown ecclesia. We can talk about examples for a long time, probably two hours just telling stories, but to sort of crystallize it, take, for example, the 91st Psalm, which is a great psalm to use right now while we're recording this because it is a promise of protection on God's people when there are disasters and plagues and pestilence, etc., coming through the land. So if you take Psalm 91, in a gathering, a member of the body can take that psalm or a portion of it and use it to exhort, to exhort the body, okay? Another person can take that same psalm and do a teaching on it, which would be explaining the meaning of it and applying it to our lives. The exhortation would be one to encourage and call us to action. Another person can take the psalm and give a prophetic utterance through it which is not the same as teaching. You know, teaching is more aimed at the mind where the prophetic utterance is aimed more at the spirit and the heart. And it would be the Lord's present word for the time. But when God speaks presently, he always bases it upon something he has said in the past. So someone can give a prophetic message, right, from Psalm 91 for our day, if the Lord gives them that. Another person can take Psalm 91 and turn it into a song, a new song. Right. With maybe expanded lyrics, maybe change the wording so that it rhymes and then maybe add a, a tune to it. And then still another person can take Psalm 91 in the gathering and use it to admonish the group. And so those are five different ways. And there are multiple others, <laughs> but right. I'm just kind of painting a picture that someone can take the scripture and show us Jesus through it. In these different ways, you know, because exhortation is not the same as teaching. Teaching is not the same as prophetic utterances. Singing is not the same as admonishing, although you can admonish through a song. This gets back to something we said earlier. God's people have a need to be equipped on how to actually do these kinds of things. I don't think Christians automatically learn how to do this especially if you're sitting in a pew most of your life listening to sermons, you're not going to be equipped on how to use the Scripture, how to wield the Word of God in this manner, right? There needs to be equipping from those who actually have done it and have experience in it. And that's the only thing I would add to that. Yeah, and there's no doubt that we get better at what you're talking about as we practice this. Absolutely. And it almost ties back into the Koinonia question, because— 
it takes time for me to get to know a group of brothers and sisters. I've had the privilege of being in two different Christian communities over the years, um, and both of them for you know pretty extended period of time. And there were things that we could do in a gathering together in year three that we would have been too self-conscious to try in year one. And as intimacy and experience rolled on, you know, the creativity began to expand because let's face it, there's some risk involved for any of us to open our mouth in any way to the rest of the body of Christ. So um, these are things that we get better at because we get practiced at them, but also we get more comfortable trying. And when you were talking about the Psalm 91, I was thinking of also, in addition to the five things that you mentioned, I remember being in a meeting using that one and uh, we had lots of people who had artistic giftings mm. and uh, somebody did a visual rendering, you know, to them of Psalm 91 or part of it anyway. A couple of other people banded together and did a short skit articulating parts of Psalm 91. Mm -hmm. And it was beautiful, you know, things that would never cross my mind. Um, but what we were doing there, you know, to kind of address the question was the community of us were engaging a particular passage of scripture over days. And sometimes we would spend weeks preparing for, for something like that. So we might be engaging a particular scripture for not just a day or two or even in between gatherings, but it could could be several weeks. And so we're we're chewing on this scripture. We're thinking about it. We're, you know, just holding it before the Lord. We're praying it maybe even out loud. You know, we're doing a lot of things with it outside of a meeting setting. And then, you know, coming together at some point and having all this variety of expression, but it's all based on a common passage of scripture. So that is one way of a kingdom community using the Bible to find Christ together. And I know even as I'm saying that, and as Frank was sharing his five different things, that it's still really hard to picture this in your mind if you haven't experienced it, right. what all that looks like. Because mm -hmm. it, it truly is not sitting around with our Bibles in our laps and each one of us giving our thoughts about Psalm 91. Mm -hmm. That's, That's not right. what's happening there. It's so multifaceted and so creative, and it's tapping into all of the various giftings and strengths and wirings, God-created wirings in, in each person. There is enough liberty and elasticity in the gathering to allow for people to express what they have mined out of, again, we're talking about this psalm in particular. So if you picture a miner going down into the mines and pulling out some gems, some precious stones, those are all going to look different and they're all going to reflect differently. And there has to be a liberty in the gathering. There has to be a comfort level in the gathering. And this this applies even if there's just two of you in a, in a kingdom cell. There still has to be some level of comfort and liberty for one another to be able to express things in a different way mm -hmm. uh, and let people be who they are and, and what they are. So, but that's, that's certainly one example with a, with a few practical handles on it of how a kingdom community might take a passage of scripture and what they might do both outside of the gatherings. Like those mm -hmm. people that did the skit, they got together four or five times 
to work on this on their own. So there was a lot of koinonia going on outside the meetings before yes. anybody ever stepped into the meeting. Yes, yes. And then the gathering is is an explosion of that preparation, that spiritual preparation beforehand. You had asked me about resources. I do talk about how to approach the Old Testament using the method of interpretation that was given by Jesus to the apostles, which you can find through the term according to the scriptures, which you find all throughout the New Testament and the Gospels, in the book Jesus of Theography. So if people want to see how Jesus Christ is alluded to, typified, imaged in the Old Testament, they could pick up that book. And I, I think it will be eye-opening uh, for many Christians because most of the time we're not taught how to find Christ in the Old Testament outside of Psalm 22 or Isaiah 53, you know, the prophetic passages. But the fact of the matter is Christ is all over the Old Testament. Yeah, He's there in spades. And this brings me to another way that a kingdom community can express the Lord, not only by taking passages like Psalm 91 or Colossians 1 or Ephesians 1 or whatever passage a gathering decides to explore Christ through, but it can be done topically. So, for example, and this is a, a favorite assignment uh, that I've given to many groups over the years, but if you take Genesis 1 and 2 and you look at all of the themes that are found there, that reappear in Revelation 21 and 22, you're going to come up with at least 30, 30 of the same themes that are found in Genesis 1 and 2 that reappear in Revelation 21 and 22. And in Genesis, they appear as a seed. In Revelation 21 and 22, they are harvested and they are now in full bloom. Well, the rest of the Bible is the development of those seeds into those full-bloom expressions at the end of Scripture. The bookends of the Bible, they mirror one another, but one is, you know, prenatal and the other is fully developed. So, for example, uh, one of those themes is water, right? Another theme is you have a bride, you have a woman. And so what gatherings have done in understanding this is they've taken weeks to explore Jesus Christ as living water all throughout the Bible, you know, in the book of Exodus, all throughout the Old Testament history books, all throughout the New Testament when he shows up in John and he talks about springs of water that issue into eternal life, you know, rivers of living water that will come out of your belly and all of that, all the way through the epistles, all the way to the book of Revelation. And you have different people in the body sharing different vignettes, different stories, different aspects of the scripture of how Christ is water. And speaking of it in an experiential way, in a refreshing way, in a way that edifies the body, and you're hearing all the different aspects of Jesus Christ as living water coming from the different members of his body. And that's something you really can't exhaust. But I'm just saying that, you know, I've seen groups go weeks on this, right? And then another one, the bride. Well, every bride in the Old Testament is a picture of the bride of Christ, either by contrast or by comparison. And, of course, you see the bride fully emerged, fully adored, glorious in her appearance. She's fully ready in the book of Revelation at the very end. So that's another theme that can take months to go through as different members of the body 
really spend time meditating, praying, looking for the Lord in those images and sharing them in the gathering. And these are very, very powerful meetings if the preparation is done properly. Amen. And so you can see just even by the example Frank just gave, and I too have been a part of those types of gatherings with that amount of preparation in them, um, even on the, the same exact topic that Frank just brought up, which is an amazing topic. But you can see what the emphasis is on here. It's not on how much ground are we covering. It's we're, we're drilling down deep as a community. The example Frank just gave is really like four chapters. And that's a lot, but you could, you could well, you could live there for a long time. Um, and you'll drill down and never hit bottom and come together. And everybody's bringing these incredible spiritual riches and pouring them on one another. And those riches are the Christ that they themselves have found through the scripture and through fellowship with one another and through fellowship with the Lord over these passages of scripture, in this mm -hmm. case, chapters. Mm -hmm. And so it's it's what it really becomes about is not how much ground we're covering. We're not trying to get through the Bible in a year as a community or anything like that. Um, we're trying to wrench and squeeze a living Christ out of out of these passages of Scripture, whether it be one verse or entire chapters, and whether it be for one gathering, uh, spending a, you know, a week preparing for one gathering, or it be multiple gatherings where we use the same passages for months and months, there's a lot of different ways to run with this. Yeah, and another example just popped in my mind that I'll give. This was over a decade ago. I don't remember the exact year. But I took a group of Christians who were meeting together in a very organic way through the book of Ephesians. And we, we did the entire book in a year. And what that looked like was I would give a message on Ephesians in a meeting. So that would be sort of a prophetic utterance, sometimes a teaching, but either a prophetic utterance through Ephesians or uh, a teaching. And sometimes it would be mixed with exhortation. And then I would give some type of an exercise. And then the group would meet, the gathering would come together and assemble the following week. And they would share from the Lord in a very multifarious and diverse way from Ephesians. And we spent the first six months, Nicholas, in Ephesians 1. We did not move out of Ephesians 1 for six months. Yeah. And what came out of that was not only incredible sharing from the body, giving insights that were amazing, but some songs came out of it. And I remember one in particular was uh, sung to the tune of Just Breathe. It's also called 3 a.m. And if people go to the Christ is All podcast, uh, which is also on my blog, frankbola.org, one of the episodes has seven songs. And those were all songs written by various Christians. Then they were recorded, too, some professionally. So they can listen to those songs to get an idea of what kind of creative expressions come out of looking for the Lord together as a group of people through a common theme or a common topic or a common passage of Scripture and how songs can issue from that as well. And I believe that's exactly what happened in the first century church. We do have some hymns right there in the New Testament. One of the most well-known is Philippians chapter 2. Well, where did that come from? That obviously came from ministry that Paul had given to the body of Christ. Yes, 
I have a, a similar story. So I had an opportunity to work with a group of Christians for six consecutive months, and I decided to go through the book of Ephesians, kind of like cheating, because it's so wonderful. And uh, anyway, we got to the end of that six months, and we had only made it through two, and we were all exhausted also from the uh, Ephesian activity, so that we didn't, we never, we never wound up doing the rest of the chapters, but it was certainly something that could swing back to in the future. So, I mean, things are being done on the fly, too, a lot of times with this. You can commit to something, and then it, it gets hijacked, and it winds up bigger than you thought, or grander than you thought, or you wind up camping out at a spot for a lot longer period of time than you had envisioned. It's just the way things go. If you're using scripture as a community to find Christ, you just don't know what surprises await you. Well, I think we'll end it on that note. Be good. Bye-bye. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the Insurgents Podcast and give it a five-star review on iTunes. This will help others find it. Also, you can join Frank's unfiltered email list at frankviola.org and receive encouragement, challenges, and insights connected to the gospel of the kingdom. Remember, the insurgence has begun. Don't miss it.